You're listening to Local Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you to be with and follow Jesus. Enjoy the sermon. Jesus, we thank you for uh, this evening and thank you for the gift of air conditioning. We thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that we get to gather together around your word. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. Guide us, encourage us, and strengthen us with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48. So a pretty large section of scripture. I'm going to read it. Um, we won't be going as much verse by verse. I'm going to read it. Keep it in the back of your mind throughout uh, the message. This is, um, we'll get back to it, but there's some other things we want to cover to help us understand and uncover this. So Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48 says this. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that it may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants." But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us all, for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This is the word of God. Some Jesus parables on readiness. So, Lord, we pray that you would make our heart ready um, to respond to this and learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Before we kind of unpack what this is saying, uh, we need to start with big picture. Big picture, this is a truth we talk about a lot at local church. Big picture, our world belongs to God. Our world belongs to God. All of the galaxies belong to God. Our entire universe belongs to God. The solar system belongs to God. The bugs and the ants and the creepy things belongs to God. The mountains and the peaks and the valleys and the seas and the lakes and the rivers and the oceans belong to God. The atoms belong to God. Small things, the medium things, the big things. Our entire world, your family, your friends, all of them, all the people you know, all of creation our world belongs to God. And our God is the, a holy, he is other, he is holy, 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 meaning he's other, 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 he's distinct from us, separate from us, and he's distinct and separate from us because he is creator God. Our world belongs to this creator God, and we and everything in this world is creation. Creation. Creation is not the same as creator. We are creatures. We must understand our creatureliness. This is, is, this is helpful for us to understand because that is reality. 
It would be fantasy to believe that we are creator. It would be fantasy to believe that our world belongs to us. It would be fantasy to believe that we are in control of this world. Very, very important for us to understand the difference of who God is, creator, holy, and who we are, his creation, creatures. And it's important for us to have that base in understanding this parable. All right, I've gone back and forth whether or not to tell this story because it's embarrassing, but back in 1998, I believe it was New Year's Eve, 1998, um, 12-31-98, if you're running it down in numbers. Uh, let's see, I was, was that a junior in high school? Junior in high school at that time. Late bloomer, about 5'5", 115, 120 pounds, had not yet hit my growth spurt. Maybe we'll say a little bit, still of some bowl cut remnants. Um, definitely, definitely still wore socks with Doc Martens. A um, little bit of braces, had not yet met my future wife. And it is the uh, New Year's Eve, about to become 1999. 1999, the last year of the millennium. Like the clock is about to churn to this time period. It is, and me and a couple buddies um, who were not at this time the most popular guys in high school, um, we didn't have the coolest cars. None of us were driving around BMWs or any of the stuff that the cool guys did. Um, we weren't on the football team. We didn't have any of those things going for us. But what we did have going for us was a belief, was a belief that when this clock struck midnight and it turned into 1999, all three of us would dance with the three most popular girls in our high school. We got invited to a party through a bridge friend, a bridge that was friends with popular people and friends with us. Um, and somehow we got invited to this party that was way out of our league that we would normally not get invited to. And we were like, we are at this party, the three most popular girls in the school who are all seniors and only talk to football players that drove BMWs. Um, we're all there, and we had belief because we had believed, we had believed with all of our heart that, you know what, we want to start the last year of the millennium 1999, we are going to start this year dancing with the most popular girls in the high school. In 1999, we'll shift. We'll shift everything about what's happening in the social world. People will go, who are these three guys? How do they? And from 1999 on, we would be the it thing. It was going to be us. We had the belief. We had the confidence. And we were ready. And I remember the song, uh, one of the last songs coming on as it's getting close to midnight. And, oh, this is the last song before the countdown. And I remember seeing the girl that, that, that I had targeted that I was going to dance with. <laughs> She's over there, and I'm starting to move over. Okay? Yeah. It's getting closer to that time. And I'm getting closer. I'm like, okay, I'm in position. I am in position. And then the song is, we do the countdown. Four, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Everyone's happy New Year, happy. Now, my first clue that this was a bad idea should have been, should have been that once it went, Happy New Year, she jumped and wrapped her legs around this big football player guy who wasn't me and kissed him for the midnight kiss. But that didn't phase me. I stayed. Uh, uh, we're going to party like it's 1999 by Prince came on. Perfect timing. We're going to party like it's nine. And I stayed right by, and once they were done doing what they were doing, I nudged on over and was like, hey, want to dance? Confidence, belief, everything's shifting from this point on. She laughed. <laughs> she looked at me and just go, <laughs> and just laughed and went right back to the time with that other guy of the BMW who was on the football team. And all me and my two best friends, all three of us completely struck out. None of us danced with anywhere in the top 25 most popular girls in the high school that night. It was 
it was it was hard. We got invited to a party out of our league, which meant a lot of rejection. And the reality of the situation was, no matter how hard we believed and wanted to believe that this is going to happen, and that by the clock striking midnight, and it being 1999, that we would all of a sudden be cool, popular, rich football players, it was a fantasy. The clock struck, and we were the exact same where were we at before the clock struck midnight in 1999 was brutal. <sighs> Things got better the next year. I met Lindsay, hit my growth spurt, and that all worked out, okay? So it all ends up happy, all right? I was a senior. She was a sophomore. I learned, like, okay, you, you go a couple years younger before they're too smart to know that they're out of your league. <laughs> so that was what I did, and it totally worked. Our world belongs to God, and to live in any other way than that is to live in a fantasy. To believe that the world belongs to us, to believe that we are God, is to live in fantasy. The reality is God is God. As Martin Luther said, let God be God. That's number one. Number one thing we need to know to understand this parable. Number two, who are we? We are stewards and servants. We are stewards and servants. Look at verse 35. He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. See, one of the things that can mess up our Christian discipleship is we live and act and pray as if we are the master and God is our servant. Making God a little bit more like a genie and a little less like the holy, holy, holy creator. And Jesus is telling these guys, hey, listen, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, the readiness, but he starts off like this, like, understand. Understand your role as servant. That's reality. Reality is God is God and we get to be servants and stewards. In this story, the story is about the master leaves the household. And so when he leaves the house, the, it, it's actually, no, I, I don't want to go there yet. Um, I'm going to wait on that. No, let's go there. <laughs> Once he leaves... They are to be stewards. Now, if they left and started pretending that they were the owners of the house, they'd be living back in fantasy. So there's a big difference between ownership and stewardship. Ownership, this belongs to me. I own it. I'm responsible for it. I'm in charge of it. If it breaks and I break it, it's okay. I own it. Stewarding is Someone else owns it, and I'm taking care of it for them. And there's a different kind of level of responsibility there. Um, my Lindsay's cousin, uh, Lindsay's cousin, we went and visited them a couple weeks ago, and they had just gotten back from renting Lamborghinis. So he um, got for his Christmas present this gift to be able to rent a Lamborghini and just take it around, like, all day, just sweet like he, he was so pumped he's like hey, we drove 200 miles in like 24 hours and they're just like and get this he's a sheriff so speed limit he didn't have to worry about too much in that lambo he's like i drove the speed limit the whole time jake <laughs> right and so they just were loving this lamborghini but he was a steward of that lamborghini and not a owner of that lamborghini and one of the things he did as a steward and not the owner was he made sure to pay the extra for the, like, super plus insurance. See, if he was the owner, he might just have done regular insurance. Because if he's the owner and he has regular insurance, he scuffs the tire, and he might just say, it's okay, it's a tire scuff. But if you are a steward and you don't get the super insurance and you scuff the tire on your rented Lambo, it will cost you four 
$1,000. That was the price they told him for like, you curb this thing, you curb this thing, four grand, unless you pay the 300 for the extra super insurance. He's like, extra super insurance signing up, right? Like, I'm a steward of this Lambo. Like, I don't want to pay 10 grand for a scratch, four grand for a tire rub, right? Because he understood, I'm stewarding this thing. I don't own this thing. See, we are to steward this earth, this world, the things in our life. We are servants and stewards of the master's property. Our world belongs to God. And one of the things that can hurt our discipleship and hurt human relationships is when we think everything is ours. Right? Those with little kids know what causes 90% of the fights in the home with little kids, the word mine. That's mine. No, it's mine. I gave it to you. Gave it to me. No, I didn't give it to you. Give it back. Mine, mine, mine. The thing is, 90% of adult fights are with that exact same word. We're just a little more subtle. A little more subtle. But our posture begins to change when we see we don't own anything. We are servants and stewards of all that belongs to God. Uh, there's a scripture that says this, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Understanding like I am here to serve God and do everything for his glory. And use everything that I am a steward of for his glory. And so we recreate to his glory. We work to his glory. We save to his glory. We spend to his glory. We play to his glory. We sing to his glory. We eat, drink, or whatever we do. We do it all for the glory of God because he is this holy, holy creator. And we are his servants and stewards. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You must also be ready. Verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. This idea of readiness. So number one, our world belongs to God. Number two, we are stewards and servants. Number three, King Jesus, King Jesus will return. He will return. He will return in power. He will return in perfect eternal glory. And he will return in a physical body. And all of creation will bow. So King Jesus, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through the sending of the Spirit, God Father, Son, and Spirit are omnipresent. Um, here, Jesus is with us here in this room through his Spirit. This is mysterious, but he's here invisibly. But he will return physically, invisibly. He will come back to his world. He will come back, and he will come back in all glory. He will come back with a host of angels. And he will come back to take full, present ownership. Just as in this parable, the master is going to come back to the servant's home. Our master, King Jesus, will come back. And when he comes back, all of creation will bow and every tongue will confess. All of creation will recognize at that time the creator. Right now there's lots of debate. Who's in charge? Who's powerful? Who's God? What religions are real? Is there a God, right? This can be debated all day, all, all day long. You can imagine in this parable when the master goes away and he leaves the servants, the servants start debating. All right, well, who's the top servant? Who's, who's really in charge of this house? Is it me? Is it you? Who owns this? I own. And they start, you know, being like, yeah, no, I'm the one. And the longer the master waits, the more they kind of just start slacking and start debating about who's really in charge and all that jazz. But then when the master comes, they're like, well, wait, the master's actually here. 
one day the master will return. There will be no debate about whose world it is then. We must understand that. That is important for us to understand. It is important for us to understand that King Jesus, in all of his glory, with a host of angels that would blow our minds, will return in physical bodily form. And all of creation will not debate or wonder. They will all understand that the creator God is here, that the master has come home. This is going to happen. This will happen. The question is, are you ready? That's what this parable is about. Jesus could come back today. He could return today. He could return during this message. He could return tomorrow. He could return at any time. It says, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You do not know when he's coming. I don't know when he is coming. If you hear a preacher saying they know when he is coming, that is a false prophet, false preacher. Jesus himself said, I don't know when I'm coming back. That's only for the Father to know. I believe now that he's ascended and is at the right hand of the Father, he knows when he's returning. But I believe that was something that he handed over and let go of while he was in earthly form, um, being fully man, fully God, Jesus walking on earth. And that's why he says, I don't even know. The Father knows. My guess is now he does know. But we do not know. Anyone that says they know, and we've had this happen over and over and over. And if you guys remember, I think it was 2013. There was a massive, like, this is it. It had the date. In San Diego, we were in San Diego at that time, there were billboards everywhere. Into the world, this day. And thousands of people quit their jobs. Like, like people were, like, quitting their jobs, selling everything they had, like, blowing their savings. They're like, it's done, it's over. And the day came and went, and it was very anticlimactic for the rest of us, pretty climactic for some of those followers. <laughs> It might have been hundreds, not thousands, but uh, it was a pretty big movement. I can't remember the name of the guy. Jesus could return today. He could return tomorrow. He could return at any time. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Look at your day-to-day. -day. Think through your thoughts today. Think through your practices this past week. Think of, have you been stewarding? Have you been making yourself ready for the master? Is your prayer life ready? Is your life life ready is your thought life ready is your are your finances ready are your relationships ready are your habits ready are you living in a way where you could say i am eager and ready for the master to come home or is this a terrifying thought that jesus could come at any time jesus could have came three hours ago and you're like what was i doing three hours ago are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus' return? We're going to talk about this later, but I just, I keep wanting to jump ahead. This is such an exciting sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Let's go with our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. This is a good practical. Paul is going to give some good practicals on how to be ready. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, 
each one's work will become manifest for the day this day of judgment this final day or jesus return or when you see him the day the day here d is capitalized the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but as but only as through fire or i like the nfb translation for this one that says if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved as one narrowly it says as one narrowly escaping the flames as one narrowly escaping the flames so let's pull that back one of the ways to prepare for Jesus return first off is that your entire life and we're gonna talk about this more in September got exciting September stuff for you guys coming but is is my life built on the foundation of Jesus am I building everything on the foundation of Jesus Christ my marriage my parenting my work my hobbies my habits are they built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and I said when we get into September we're gonna talk a lot about foundations we're gonna do a whole kind of serious time on foundations we'll unpack that more and more to understand what are we building on are we building on Jesus one of the ways you get ready for the master to come is that you are building on a solid foundation the foundation of Jesus the presence of Jesus the promises of Jesus the work of Jesus you're building that something that lasts when you're building on a foundation of Jesus but Jesus says if you're building on the foundation of him then whatever you build um, basically he's saying like you want you if you're building on the foundation of Jesus you're gonna make it into paradise with him but then, and this is what he's talking about here in Corinthians, what Paul's talking about here in Corinthians, is you can build on that foundation with stuff that lasts, or you can start to fiddle it away, basically. All right, okay, I'm building Jesus on my foundation, but what I'm going to add on that foundation is that he's saying, like, hay and straw and flammable wood, or am I going to add on that foundation gold and silver and stuff that's going to be refined by the fire? So Jesus is saying, if you're going to get ready for the return of Jesus, you need to put your life on the foundation of Jesus, and then you make need to make sure that what you are living for is things that are eternal. Do you understand that? That's how we get ready. We get ready by living for eternity, by building things for eternity. And we means when we look at our finances as a bank account, we go, how can I use this to invest in eternity rather than just get something now that is going to burn up in the flames? It means when we look at parenting, instead of saying, how do I make sure that I get my kid into the best private school so we can go to the best college, so we can go to this job, we look at our kid and say, no, is their life on Christ in I want to parent them in such a way that I'm making them a disciple of Jesus, that all of the input I'm putting into their life is to help them follow Jesus so that what I'm building here in my parenting is something that will last for eternity. The way we get ready for Jesus' return is to build things that last, build lives that last, build legacies build for eternity rather than just the momentary the momentary is like one narrowly escaping the flames I'll tell you another high school story um, actually I was in college by now I just said I was a senior when Izzy was a sophomore so then I went away to college and we stayed together ended up getting married having four kids 17-year anniversary this past summer. Yep, thank you very much. 
When I was in college, her family took a vacation to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and I got to go for part of it. Uh, I think maybe they were there 10 days, and I got to be there for five days because I had to fly back to do, like, a midterm or something just awful, just something that was it was like a final or a midterm, something that could not be a worse thing to have to fly back for. And I remember um, the day I had to fly back, sitting by the pool with my beautiful girlfriend, eating tacos, you know, having pina coladas, and watching my watch because my flight is going to leave, like, in a couple hours. And going, okay, I'm going to have to leave soon. I have my suitcase by the thing, and I'm this. And then, and, and then looking at my watch and going, like, wow, gosh, it's good. I got to leave, and it's going to fly out in, like, an hour and a half. I think I can stay in the pool with my girlfriend, like, ten more minutes, you know? And then the ten minutes go by, and it's like, I bet we can squeeze out five more minutes by the pool with my girlfriend before I fly back to cold Washington and sit in, like, college classes. Like, n- no, I'm not. Or maybe we can, in a five-minute passage, like, I think we can squeeze in, like, a few more. Finally got to the point where I'm like, I don't think I can squeeze any more time. And I'm like, run through the hotel, like, say goodbye, Lindsay, run to the hotel. We get the shuttle. The shuttle takes me to the airport. I'm running through the airport. I, like, check in in this line. Luckily, the line wasn't too long. And then as I'm, like, doing the, like, initial airport line, I start hearing um, over over the intercom, Yik! Yik Chambers! Jacob Chambers! Last call! One more! Doors closing! Jacob Chambers! Puerto! <laughs> Puerto Cerrado! Un pocos minutos! And I'm just like running as fast as I can through the airport, like up the escalator thing, like, and, and, and like multiple times they'll hear my name again, and it's like, last call! Final time! Like, final! Yeah, Chambers! <laughs> I'm like, no! And I run up, and I'm, like, running. I can see the, like, airport door where they're, like, the person's holding it to close, and they look at me, and they're, like, holding it to close it. And you know how the airports are. When that door's closed, done. They don't let you on. They don't reopen. They don't care, right? And I am, like, in Mexico. This is pre-cell phones, like, pre-smartphones, pre, like, my I- Spanish is very menos, you know? Coquito Espanol, um, Spanglish mostly, right? And they have the door, and the door is closing, and they look at me, and I'm running, and they're like, Jacob! And I'm like, Jacob! And they're like, they're just like, run! And I'm like, (laughs) running full blast, and they leave the door open, and I made it through, and I made my flight. But I made my flight as one narrowly, narrowly getting on that plane before I would have just been in all sorts of madness. Uh, how I would have gotten back, I would have missed my final, got all sorts of, uh, I kind of wish I missed it though, but narrowly made it. Paul warns, he says, look, you do not want to get into paradise that way. Are you ready for Jesus' return? You can start building your life upon Jesus, your marriage upon Jesus, your company, if you work in business, your business upon Jesus. You can build. There is a way to to work. There is a way to study. There is a way to do hobbies. There is a way to do life that lasts and builds for eternity, that is upon Jesus. There is a way to do it where if Jesus came right now, you would be ready, and you'd be able to say to your master, Master, I've been waiting for you. I'm ready. And it says that the one that is ready for him, Jesus himself, the one that the whole world belongs to, Jesus himself, will serve them. He'll have them, his servants, recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. He'll say, I see your readiness, and he'll prepare a feast for his servants. Church, for those that are ready, 
the greatest day in all of human history will be Jesus' return. For those that are ready, the greatest day in all of human history will be Jesus' return. But if we go on down, verses 41 through 48, Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. There's one Instead of getting ready for the master's return, you can just be abusive and awful and evil. And when Jesus returns, that will be the worst day in human history for those that have been outright enemies to God. Um, some of you guys are aware of Roe versus Wade being overturned in some of the protests. I remember watching, I watched a few of those protests uh, that were protesting this happened, and, and some of them were the most just obscene, God-hating signs, just offensive, vulgar accusations towards our Creator God and towards His people. And just uh, uh, shocking that you would put any of this stuff in a public space. And I remember that coming to my mind as I read this parable and just thought, if those people don't meet Jesus, they are living in a fantasy, a fantasy where they can slander God, accuse God, and pretend that they can judge God. And one day, reality will strike. Reality will strike, and they will realize that Jesus is the one on the white throne of judgment. But it's not just them out there. It's not just them out there. It's not just those that are adamantly, openly abusing God's people, abusing his servants and hurting and harming. He says there's also the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will. There's those that, man, I know Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. I've received the forgiveness of Jesus. I understand the way that he's inviting me to live, but I'm just not going to do it. And he says there's a warning for that person. And if you're like me, I can see myself in that person. That person receives a severe beating. That doesn't sound good. This is a warning to us. This is a warning to us for the times where Jesus, when that still small voice that you know is the Holy Spirit is saying, here's my will. And we say, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to ignore the enemy. Jesus is warning, warning us and saying, if you know your master's will, do it. Do it. Sometimes we don't understand what his will is, and it, we can do a whole sermon on the will of God and understanding his will for our life, right? You can do a whole series just on that topic. But what he's talking about right now is not the time, not you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what his will is right now. This guy just texted me, and I'm like, should I text him back? Is this it? Is this the one? I don't know his will. Like, no, no, no. What he's saying is here is the time where you know his will, clear as day, and you just don't. And he's warning you that that's not where you want to be. You want to be ready. And part of being ready then means that when we know his will, we're living out his will. One of the ways that you can be ready for Jesus' return is living out his will for your life when you know what his will for your life is. And if you're saying, well, I don't know what his will for your life is, 
The big obvious ones are just found in Scripture. Spend time. Here's a big one. He wants to form your character. Here's another big one. He wants you to live for his glory, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. You do it all for his glory. A lot of times we think about his will as, like, does he want me to be a hairdresser or does he want me to be a mechanic? Oh, what is your will? What is your will? What is your will? And some of the times Jesus is like, I don't care if you're a hairdresser or a mechanic, but if you're going to be a hairdresser, do it in a way that glorifies me. Do it with honor. Do it with integrity. Do it with perseverance. Do it with love. And do it in a way that will glorify me. Or if you're going to do be a mechanic, be the most honest mechanic you can be. Do it with diligence. Do it with perseverance. Do it with love. And do it in a way that glorifies me. His will for your life is that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it to glorify him and serve him, the master. And this is one of the ways that we can be prepared to serve God. It says this, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. So those that don't know Jesus, don't know his will, and are not living in his will, it's a parable. There's a lot of different questions here, but one of the big questions people do ask and wonder, um, I've heard this one a lot, and you're like, you're like, what about the nice, like, great grandma who was kind all of her life and lived out in Africa and cared for the flowers? Does she get the same punishment as the serial killer? From Scripture, I believe no. It seems there are degrees of judgment. I don't know how that works with judgment being eternal. Very much a mystery, but there are parables such as this one where there seems to be degree of punishment, degree of reward. Reward is eternal, and the punishment is eternal. How that works, again, that would definitely be a full sermon series there. Um, but there are times in Revelation, well, like when he's judging, um, I believe, Babylon, he's like, she got a double portion of what she deserved. Um, and, and, and he'll use language like that where there seems to be these degrees of punishment. You think of those that cause their chil little children to go astray. It would be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and thrown into the ocean. There seems to be this degree of punishment that is going to be different for those that have harmed children than maybe those that just didn't know the will of God, the grandma out in Africa. Again, mystery. Tons of theologians have debated this for days. My short response, there does seem to be degrees of punishment. Here's what I can tell you without hesitation, ironclad, written in cement. I'm willing to die on this. When we see the judgment of God, we will rejoice in how just it is. This is what we see over and over and over throughout Scripture, and especially in Revelation. When we see his final judgment, it says everyone rejoices and praises at how just it is. See, what happens is sometimes we can take scriptures or take that question I just walked into, and we can flip things around and be, again, our world belongs to me. I'm going to judge God. I've heard people say this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have so many questions for God, and I'm going to be boom, 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 and we're going to sit down. I'm going to be like, what were you doing here, 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 here? Whoa, no, no, no. You'll be sitting at the white throne of judgment. He will be judging you. doesn't mean there won't be times where you might ask him questions. and Well, what's going here? But all the judging is going to be one way. <laughs> Understand the reality of where that would be. And that judgment will cause you to rejoice. Because it'll be the most just judgment you've ever seen in your entire life. It will be perfect. It will be true. It will be just. It will be good. Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Are you ready for the return of Jesus? If you do not know Jesus, if you've not received him as your Savior, if you do not know about his work on the cross, where Jesus took the severe beating that he didn't deserve, he took the beating for us. He not only took the severe beating, he was whipped to pieces and crucified. 
Jesus takes what the lazy servants, what the evil servants, what the corrupt servants deserve so that we might receive the reward. If you're here and you've not received that for Jesus, the best way that you today can get ready for Jesus' return is to receive his forgiveness and receive his work on the cross for your life. If you have received that work, the best way for you to be ready is to continue to look to the cross and receive the work of the cross and build your life on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Church, our purpose is to get ready our purpose is to get ready, to get ready for Jesus to come. And we've talked a little bit about getting ready because it's scary, but I want us, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are getting ready for the greatest event in human history. If you know Jesus, you get to get ready with anticipation, with anticipation. Jesus is coming back. The greatest king in all of eternity is coming back. The greatest judge in all of eternity is coming back. The greatest shepherd in all of eternity is coming back. The greatest friend in all of eternity is coming back. The perfect one is coming back. And we get to wait with anticipation, eager for Jesus' return. This is good news that Jesus is coming back. We don't have to be sitting here, am I ready, and be sitting in fear and building our life in fear. No, no, no. Yes, have that moment. Confess what you need to confess. Work through what you need to work through. But then we get a churn to joy. Man, I get to live my life getting ready for Jesus to return. Lindsay was just away from me for two nights with some of her college roomies. I had all quattro kids solo. And I made it here. So it's pretty good. Pretty good. One thing that was cool is my youngest daughter, Gwen, who's four, she made a couple cards, spoiler alert for Lindsay. Um, but multiple times, when's mom coming back? When's mom coming back? Is she coming back tonight? Is she coming back tomorrow night? Is mom coming yet? Is mom coming yet? She's getting herself ready, anticipating mom's coming home. She's coming home soon. It's going to be good when mom gets here. Can't wait for mom gets here. Jesus says to live with childlike faith for a reason. This is our hearts for Jesus. Is this the day? What if you started to live that way? Woke up in the morning, is this the day? Could Jesus come back today? Could he come back tonight? Do you realize Jesus could come back tonight? Do you realize if you, if you take the heavy prophetic view of like Revelation specifically, and we did a Revelation series, specifically is prophesying this will happen, that will happen, this will happen, and you took it super even literal, most of that stuff's all happened. If you're chasing it that way, like he could come back now, today. Are you ready and are you eager? And what would change, church, if you woke up every morning and thought, Jesus could come back today? And you lived your life as if Jesus was coming back today. And you lived your life to get ready and to help as many others get ready as possible. And what can we do to help get ready for Jesus coming back? When he made cards, so she's like, mom's coming back. When she gets back, I'm going to have a card ready for her. One's not enough. I'm going to have a second card ready. I vacuum. Mom's coming home. I'm going to have some stuff vacuumed. I know everything else is out of order, but I know how to run a vacuum. <laughs> She'll come home, and it'll be like, hey, he vacuumed. I'm going to redo this and that part of the vacuum but it's 80% there. And maybe I get a gold star. Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming back. When he comes back, it's going to be the greatest feast, the greatest party, the greatest day of our life if you know Jesus and if you are ready. So let's get ready. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are coming back. We thank you that you're not going to leave us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And then when you come back, it will be good news. Jesus, I confess. Any one else here, you just want to silently confess yourself. I confess, I do not, I'm not ready for your return. As I've been preparing this this week and thinking about it, what if he came now? What if he came today and just 
the thoughts and the habits and the actions and what I was doing and just going, what? I am not, at, I'm not close to ready. Lord, I want to churn. I want to repent. I want to begin to live more ready for you to return. I want to wake up each morning and say, Jesus could come back today and to, and to be ready for that to happen. So forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me for all the days and times and hours and minutes and thoughts and actions and habits that don't reflect someone who's ready for you to return. And forgive us. If there's anyone else here that can, that amens that. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive us. And if you're amening that, just silently do it with the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm, I'm not even close to ready. If that's, if that's honest prayer for you right now, I, just, I encourage you to pray that. Say, Jesus, I've not thought about this at all. Man, as I've prepared this sermon, I've, I've been shocked at, like, I do not think about Jesus coming back very often. Definitely not every day. If that's you, if you're here and you're just like, I don't think about this at all, just confess it. And then ask the Holy Spirit's help to help you get ready. We need, the Holy Spirit is called a helper. He can help us get ready. So just ask the Holy Spirit. You can just do this silently. You can just say, Holy Spirit, help me get ready for Jesus to come back. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you can today say, Jesus, I want to follow you, and I want to be ready for your return. Help us get others ready. We have this eternal purpose that we can help others get ready for the most important event in human history, in world history, for Jesus' return. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you help others get ready. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you build what lasts. Spirit, help us. Father in heaven, help us. Help us be ready. Help us get others ready. Help us to live lives of joyful anticipation. Joyful anticipation because Jesus is coming back. Try all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Locals, our master, our king, Jesus, is coming back. Get ready. Look forward to it. Live with anticipation because Jesus is coming back soon. And when he comes back, he will wipe away all that is broken, every curse. All of his enemies will be gone. And his people and his saints will rejoice in paradise with him forever and ever and ever. Jesus is coming soon. Go and rejoice, Beaver Local Church. Thank you for listening to Local Church Podcast. To learn more about our Jesus community, visit us at www.localchurchgh.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.